You're listening to Be Health Connected, a podcast by the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition. Your host for today's episode is Lauren Rimsbecker, BHC Senior Director of Member Engagement and Communications. Hello, I'm Lauren Remsbecker, and thanks for listening to another episode of the BHC's Be Health Connected podcast. As healthcare costs have risen, so has the financial responsibility of employees for many insurance plans and services. According to Kaiser Family Foundation, the average general annual deductible has increased 25% over the past five years, with out-of-pocket maximums topping out at over $8,000 for single coverage and over $16,000 for family coverage. Considering that medical bills are reported to be the number one cause of bankruptcies in the U.S., it begs the question, how can we help patients better manage healthcare spending? Joining me today to dive into this topic further is Dr. Jay Moore, Chief Clinical Officer with Patient. Welcome, Dr. Moore. Hey, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Appreciate being on the podcast and talking to all the members of BHC. Excellent. Well, before we start with the topic today, I want to talk a little bit about you because you've had a really interesting career path. So can you start by telling us a little bit more about your journey throughout healthcare? Oh, thanks. You flatter me, actually. I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) Sure. So I'm a physician. I guess that makes sense given my title of chief clinical officer. I am a Missouri kid, grew up in the middle of Missouri in a small town in the middle of the state, a town called Dixon, Missouri. Go Bulldogs. If there are any Dixon Bulldogs out there listening, glad to glad to have you on the show. And here's a shout out for you. That is the one and only podcast shout out that Dixon, Missouri will get this year. I'm fairly certain of that. I went to the University of Missouri to get my medical degree and then became a primary care physician, practiced in the western suburbs of St. Louis for a while for a hospital system here in St. Louis. I worked there for about 10 years, and during part of that time, I did administrative work and eventually became the chief medical officer of one of their hospitals. I worked there for four years and then went on to go to work for a big payer that's here in St. Louis and worked for the payer for seven years. And worked on a variety of roles, did medical management work, did a little bit of sales work, facing the community, talked a lot to doctors, did some community outreach. In my last year at that insurer, I uh, finally started looking at startups. We were looking at startup companies and thinking about how we might partner with them and build products that we could take to the market together. And during that time, I met a startup that I sort of fell in love with and decided to jump over and go to work for them. So now I work for a small company called Patient, uh, which is based in Columbia, Missouri, and we help people pay for out-of-pocket medical expense. I'm the chief clinical officer there, and I've been doing that just now for about four months. Well, that background's really helpful, and you know, you've seen so many different types of organizations, uh, you know, from the doctor office to hospital, insurance, you know, digital solutions. What are some of the common threads that you're seeing as you've moved across the different settings? Well, you know, it's funny for me to say this, but I guess that I've been practicing or in the work community for going on 20 years now, and that just seems ridiculous. It seems like just a few days ago that I was starting my practice out in Wentzville, and at that time, my patient population was very diverse. We had a lot of people that lived in the suburb of Wentzville, but I had a lot of patients that came to me from rural Missouri as well. And it was a real mix of people, a real mix of incomes, a mix of range of how people paid for insurance, everything from self-pay to Medicaid 
to Medicare, to commercially insured people. But something that really brought them all together and, and that they had in common was that paying for healthcare has always been a challenge for all of my patients. Even the patients who had you know, so-called good insurance still occasionally would run into trouble because of deductibles and out-of-pocket limits and things like that. And over time, I think that I've seen that continue to increase. You know, the stats that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that there are very high deductibles now and high out-of-pocket maximums, $8,000, I think you said, for uh, some deductibles. For, for single people. coverage, 16000 for family. Yeah. That's a lot of money. So that means that people need to be able to come up with $8,000 before their insurance really even kicks in. And that to me is a problem. It's a problem that has some really complicated solutions. And I've really spent a lot of time in my career trying to figure out how to solve that problem. In practice, thinking about how to link people up to social programs that help them pay for some of their out-of-pocket expense. At the hospital, we would have payment plans that we would set up or ways that we could forgive debt that people might have. In the insurance company, again, our social workers and case managers would often connect people to resources that would help them pay for care that they had to pay out of pocket. And now at the company where I work, the solution is something a little bit different, but uh, still a big focus of our of the work that we do. So as you know, a big portion of our audience is employers. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, health benefit design, some of the trends that you're seeing in that area as it relates to healthcare financing. Oh, sure. So one of the big trends really is the amount of money that people are paying out of pocket. So there's higher deductibles and higher out of pocket limits. And it obviously creates a problem for people to pay. But from an employer perspective, it's really interesting because we're also creating a cash based market that people are spending money in. I, I think for years, one of the things that doctors and healthcare leaders said was that healthcare is a really weird economy. And the reason it's weird is because the purchaser is really separated from the consumer. So I am the patient, I consume the healthcare when I go out to get it, and I choose the care that I'm going to get by picking my primary care doctor, maybe choosing an elective surgery that I'm gonna have done, deciding what hospital I'm gonna go to, when I'm going to have it, all of those sorts of factors. But when it actually comes time to paying it, historically, the insurance company is who pays. And so it isn't like buying a car or refrigerator or a new television where I might open up a consumer reports and look at different factors and then make a decision based on not only what's happening with the car that I want to buy, what kind of gas mileage it gets, how much trunk room it has, if I can fit my kids in the back seat, that sort of thing, but also the price. But in healthcare, we don't really do that as much because the price, well, A, is obfuscated in a lot of ways. It's difficult to figure out what that price is. But B, it's not a price that I am necessarily paying. However, that is changing over time. And as deductibles increase and out-of-pocket limits increase, more and more of what we're spending comes out of our own pocket, and it changes our behavior in the way that we shop. And that was the theory years ago when we started to conceive of the idea of high-deductible health plans, and that's really what's bearing out in the market. I'm, I'm sure, Lauren, you've seen that in a lot of your member employers across the region. Absolutely. They're becoming much, much more popular. Um, and again, I think the, the right intentions are there. Um, but as you and I know, uh, sometimes that has some unintended consequences. So I'm wondering if you can maybe speak to how that has impacted patients over time as this cost share has increased. Sure. So it's, it's fascinating in a way because it 
definitely changes the stress level that people have when they think about how am I going to pay for this? So they might put care off and delay things, which we all know increases cost over time. At the same time, we are also creating a marketplace of cash-based healthcare, which I don't think that we've seen before. In the past, when my deductible was $1,000 or $1,500, in the years that I would exceed that deductible, I wasn't necessarily shopping for the care that I would get for that $1,000 healthcare. But now that my deductible is $5,000, I'm thinking about how I'm going to actually pay for that. So there are new consumer tools that are coming to bear and really an entire market. Hospitals and medical practices and digital solutions are marketing increasingly directly to the consumer. And that changes a bit of the relationship. It, it changes the way that doctors are talking to patients. It changes the way that these solutions are talking to patients. It even changes the way that employers are talking to patients. And to me, that is an area that employers should really bring some focus upon because I don't think that's something that we've seen in the past. And thinking about how your employees might be shopping in that market is very interesting to me. And I think that tools that help employer, help employees make good decisions can be very useful to those employees in a way that we haven't seen before. I'm so glad you bring that up. You know, in the past year, we've spent a lot of time looking at uh, some of the transparency and navigation and, and other kind of payment assistance that might be out there for patients. So what are some of the solutions that you're seeing on market that are really making a difference when it comes to managing that spend? Yeah, so I think that probably the most common thing that we see and something that a lot of people have is a health savings account. And I know a lot of the benefit professionals who listen to this podcast understand this, but a health savings account is really an excellent benefit for people to use and a great tool. I've learned a lot about those over the past few years. I have a health savings account now, putting a little bit of money into it each month. And one of the things that I never really understood about HSAs is the tax advantage that an HSA has. So I can take money and put it into my HSA. It comes out pre-tax. And so I avoid the tax as I'm earning the money. Once my money is in the HSA, I can invest that money and it grows. And you know the stock market has done pretty well over the last few years. And so there are some gains there. And the gains that are made in an HSA are also tax deferred. And so, or I think actually tax free, which means that I'm not paying taxes on those gains. And finally, when I take the money out and spend it on healthcare, I don't have to pay taxes on it at that point either. So it's really a great investment vehicle. We say that it's triple tax deferred, meaning that you don't pay when it goes in, you don't pay when it grows, and you don't pay when it comes out, as long as you're using it to pay health expense. And over time, as the HSA balance grows, it becomes a more and more valuable tool, not only for people during their working years, but also on into retirement. The average person after they retire spends over $100,000 on healthcare. And thinking about how an HSA might fit into your retirement plan is a really smart thing to do in terms of a financial plan. There are a lot of tools out there that help people understand and manage health savings accounts. And that is certainly a big trend that we've seen in terms of how people are saving money and how they're adapting to higher deductibles and higher out-of-pocket limits. Well, Dr. Moore, I'm so glad that you mentioned uh, HSAs as a, a vehicle for investment and really thinking about that post-retirement as well and how people might use that. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the problems today, um, but I'm wondering what you see happening in the future. What comes next uh, as far as healthcare financing and its implications for patients and for employers? Um, 
I work for a company called Patient. It's spelled with a Y, P-A-Y-T-I-E-N-T. And we have a solution as well that can be used to help manage that and, you know, be happy to talk about that a little bit more. Um, but really, I want to focus on what I think is going on in the market overall broadly. Um, in particular, over time, I think that as the dollars continue to accumulate in HSAs, we're really moving into an environment where health benefits over time is starting to look a little bit more like a 401k and a little bit less like a traditional health benefit. So the way I think of this is we're moving from a defined benefit solution to a defined contribution solution, which means that employers are saying, look, I have some dollars and I'm going to spend some money and give you a benefit to give you health insurance, but I also have some dollars that I'm going to give to you in the form of deposits in your HSA or your HRA or other spending accounts that they might set up. And you can decide how you'd like to spend that. So if you want to spend it on additional healthcare that you need, or if you want to save it, or if you want to maybe use it to buy a different product, you can do those things. And that's a little bit the way that our retirement accounts work now, most of us at least. We've moved away from a pension model where the employer is really making all the decisions for us to a 401k model where they're taking some cash and giving it to us, and then we're deciding how things go. And that transition, the shift that's happening from the defined benefit to the defined contribution, I think will be the story over the next 10 to 15 years in healthcare. I, I really think that's how we're going to see benefits continue to change in time. I would not be surprised if we see employers that start to say, you know what, I'm getting out of the healthcare purchasing business. Instead, I'm gonna take the money that I would normally provide to buy an insurance plan. I'm going to give that to you in the form of just dollars, and you can use that to go out and buy insurance with it. And there are actually regulations out there that are allowing that. And so that's something that's growing, and we might see that as a shift which occurs over time. I think that that's a really interesting story to watch. And in my second 20 years of my career, maybe that's something that we'll see play out over time. Certainly things have changed a lot in 20. I'm sure they'll change a lot in the next 20 as well. Well, I appreciate that you've been able to provide some insight into the current state of healthcare financing, where you see that kind of moving in the future. Um, and certainly uh, appreciate you uh, sharing that perspective for our audience. Uh, wondering, as we close today's episode, are there any additional parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with listeners? Well, I think if you're an employer, really take some time to consider what high deductible health plans mean to your employees. We certainly see those more and more frequently in the market. And it's not necessarily bad to have a high deductible if you are also supported with tools that help you manage that higher deductible, maybe HSA contributions, maybe other tools, maybe a solution like patient, maybe there are other things in the market that you would take a look at that would help support your employees. If that happens, I think that we can continue to move along toward a more sustainable healthcare model in the future, which I do think is possible and something that I'm very optimistic that we'll see occur. Thank you for listening to the Be Health Connected podcast. For additional episodes or to learn more about employer resources available through the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition, please visit www.stlbhc.org.